0: Hey, welcome back to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, an artisanal treat for your Halloween-themed slasher movies. I'm Rob Schulte and I'm here with Graham Young. Hey Graham. Hey yo. You know one thing that we forgot to talk about uh in episode two was Clue Gulager. Yeah. In keeping with the tradition
1: of sort of 50s and 60s classic uh, character actors in 80s slasher films later in their career, Clue was in The Virginian and The Tall Man from the early 1960s westerns. And he was the father, of course, in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge. And he was also in Return of the Living Dead, which came out that same year, directed by Dan O'Bannon. And if you have not seen that movie, check it out. It is a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I also want to say that we've been getting a lot of positive feedback and some not so positive. But let me tell you, if you got something you want to say, then come say it. We've got a Patreon page. You know, if you donate $2, we'll give you a shout out. But more than that, we are keeping this tight. We could talk for two hours if we wanted to, but we're not going to
1: yeah yeah you 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 may not want to listen to the show if it's running two hours we we get to rambling especially me
0: so sorry if we've left out anything that you've truly loved we're going to try and keep it as concise as possible with as much information as possible and with that being said graham let's go on to nightmare on elm street part three dream warriors Don't say that because I'm a, I love animals and I've seen animal shelters. I bought it only red with black in it, so I didn't know what it oh, was. probably from an artificial bird. <laughs> Did you ever go to any kind of acting school? Not in the beginning. I, I started on a talk show, you know. But when a young actress says, how do you succeed in this business, you don't study. always say you have to study. I think you should study. You deaf, study, work, and then maybe you can make it. Can I ask you something? Certainly. Who in the fuck what you think?
1: Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was sort of a homecoming for Wes Craven. He came on as uh, a writer first and then producer.
0: Yeah, it was a very good transition from 2 to 3 because they needed to get this cart back on the tracks.
1: Well, yeah, it was a great transition because they pretended that 2 never happened. In fact, 3 is, if you ask any fan, is the true sequel to the original.
0: It's like 2 was an offshoot, a side story, and now we're finally getting the continuation on. That's actually a really cool way of putting it. It's sort of, yeah, exactly. It's a little side plot to the main story. New Line Cinema was at a crossroads at this point, right? The franchise was either going to fail or succeed with 3.
1: Yeah, I mean, New Line Cinema wasn't in the worst shape, but the thing about it was, is the like, number 2 had, like, no... Good critical reviews in the United States. It did make a lot of money, but they knew that if they didn't sort of, again, sort of get this train back on the tracks, it was going to derail before they knew it. We were talking a little bit about Wes's involvement. The script that he wrote was ultimately rejected for several reasons, which, which we'll go into. But what he did do was sort of set the foundation for what would become the Dream Warriors, basically these surviving members of the Elm Street kids band together and fight Freddy as a team rather than going at him by themselves. Frank Darabout and Chuck Russell came on to rewrite that script and Chuck Russell would go on to direct um, and that's right I did say Frank Darabont uh, probably most people know him um, well most recently for The Walking Dead season one but he also yeah, is most famous for The Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile which he both directed so he started out in Freddy films which is pretty interesting it's pretty amazing if you ask me yeah yeah uh, not only did Freddy build uh New Line Cinema, he also built the Shawshank Redemption. So think about that. There would be no Shawshank Redemption if it wasn't for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors.
0: And I hear it was his uh, idea to not wet the sponge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Frank Darabont actually met with Freddy
1: Krueger before they started shooting Green Mile, and Freddy was adamant that they not wet the sponge. It, re- it really helped the film. So, you know, again, Freddy's sort of lending himself to the uh, to the Green Mile saga. <laughs> and just let me be very clear Frank Darabont did not direct Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 he co-wrote the script Um, it was Chuck Russell who directed Nightmare on Elm Street he's probably best known for The Mask with Jim Carrey and before that, right after Nightmare on Elm Street he did a remake of The Blob which is fantastic, check it out
0: oh that's awesome, a little bit bloodier than the original
1: yeah, it basically hits the same notes as the first one, it's just a lot more blood and guts and it's, it's not bad, check it out it's not a bad remake
0: Okay, so Darabont co-wrote the script, brought down the budget from Wes's script because Wes's was just a little bit too dark and a little bit too pricey. Yeah, um, a lot darker.
1: And also, Freddy had no limits, so they sort of had to reel that in in order for the film to be feasibly produced.
0: Okay, so let's go over the story of Dream Warriors real quick. It starts with Patricia Arquette's character Kristen having nightmares. Freddy tries to make her commit suicide by slitting her wrists in her dreams. She gets put into a hospital with a whole bunch of other kids who have attempted suicide and we find out it's because of their dreams. And then We meet Nancy. How is she introduced? Uh, Nancy comes in as a counselor for the kids in this mental ward, and she
1: sort of recognizes that they've all been attacked in their dreams by the same boogeyman. She's
0: kind of the character that unifies the kids to fight against Freddy. And not only that, she connects the dots. And so by helping the kids, they team up together and defeat Freddy. But it's not so easy, is it? We find out in this one that these kids are being attacked because they are the last of the Elm Street children. And what does that actually mean, Graham? That their parents were the ones that attacked Freddy. And sent him to his fiery death as a human? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. We have a slew of kids, and only a few of them actually get to have a battle with Freddy. Yes, uh, only a few live to see Freddy at the end of the film.
1: I guess we can use this as an opportunity to go through all the
0: Elm Street kids. Rob, let me ask you, who is your favorite dream warrior? My favorite dream warrior is Taryn, because she's beautiful and she's bad. Um, could you describe Taryn's character to the audience? Kind of like a grungy kid before grunge became a thing. She was a drug addict, mainly because she had been terrorized. And then when she gets her dream power... She's a very Hollywood punk, with the tallest mohawk I have ever seen, and two switchblades. Yeah, she's a total badass. Beautiful and bad. Who's your favorite? The thing about it is, there's all of the
1: dream warriors are amazing, but the one that always sticks out in my mind is Kincaid. The hothead of the group, and his dream powers uh, to combat Freddy is that he has amazing strength. And you should also know that he is the only character in, I think, any Freddy series to call Freddy Krueger a pussy,
0: or should I say, a pussy. Yeah, he says it so awkwardly, and more than once in the exact same way. It's awkward, but man, is it threatening. Like, Freddy, you better watch It is true, I'd be afraid of that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's menacing, man. And then Patricia Arquette or Kristen, her dream power is that she can bring other people into her dreams. And that's how they all get to team up together and fight Freddy Krueger.
1: Yeah, Patricia Arquette is sort of the main star of the surviving Elm Street kids, the Dream Warriors, and is the first uh, Elm Street kid to win an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Boyhood. So there you go. Oh, it wasn't for this film? Yeah, I know. I I had to say that because the audience would think that she had won an Oscar for this. And I just want to be very clear that she has won an Oscar, but it was not for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, although it would make sense if she did.
0: Now, we should probably list the other warriors. Yes, yes. They went into this, we've got Joey. Yeah,
1: uh, Joey is a mute kid, and of course, in his dreams, he finds his voice. And then our final warrior is Will. Yeah, Will is another favorite of the bunch, and Will is confined to a wheelchair in real life, and in his dreams, he is the wizard master, and he can walk and cast spells and do all that stuff. He's a big uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. Dungeons and dragons, mazes and monsters, you name it, he rolls it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's a big Tom Hanks fan, and if you understand that reference, good for you.
0: Um, So, unfortunately, not all of the children in the hospital get to become warriors, though. No, there's a couple that die off before sort of the dream warriors are assembled.
1: One of those is Jennifer, and Rob, I'll let you take this because I know Jennifer is one of your favorites.
0: She wants to be a TV star. She stays up watching TV and burning herself with cigarettes so that she doesn't have her nightmares. Too bad, at one point, she falls asleep. Freddy comes out of the television and tells her, Welcome to prime time, bitch, and slams her right into the TV set. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most memorable moments of the
1: entire series, and that's your favorite death in the film, right, Rob? It is my favorite death in the film. Well, my favorite death involves another character that didn't quite make the Dream Warriors roster, and his name is Philip. And Philip is sort of a puppeteer. Rob, would you like to go into that?
0: Yeah, it's this is, uh, this is one of the cringiest parts of the whole movie for me I remember watching it when I was a young kid in some dingy home on VHS like I can still like remember like the cigarette smell and like the shag carpet of the house that I was in when I was watching this but Philip creates puppets and in his dream Freddy tears out all of his tendons and walks him around like a marionette until he commits suicide by jumping off of a ledge
1: yeah, it is such impressive effect. It is absolutely disgusting and horrifying, and I think it's one of the best deaths in the series. Now, um, Philip is my favorite uh, death in the film, but a close second, and Rob, we failed to mention this, is the death of Zsa, Zsa Gabor.
0: Yeah, I know you'd want to talk about it, so I didn't bring it up. As Jennifer falls asleep, she's watching an interview between Dick Cavett and Jaja Dick Cavett turns into Freddy Krueger on the screen, kills Jaja and then starts poking out of the television. Yeah, there's a
1: hilarious moment in the behind the scenes of Nightmare Three where a producer admits that uh, they chose Jaja Gabor because he thought she was the stupidest celebrity at the time. And if Freddie were to kill any celebrity, he wished it was her and they got her. So that I thought that was really funny.
0: So a couple of other things about uh, cameos or early on in their career, both Lawrence Fishburne or as he's credited in this movie as Larry Fishburne and also Bill Maher. Yeah, Bill Maher from Real Time
1: or Politically Incorrect from the 90s. Yeah, not really. Bill Maher is not in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, but his doppelganger, Craig Wasson, is. And Craig Wasson, look him up. He looks exactly like Bill Maher. He is the star of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and also Brian De Palma's body double, which if you have not seen, check it out. It is awesome.
0: There's a ton of people in this film. There's a even bigger story to tackle. I think it's fair to say that it's orchestrated fairly well by the heavy metal band Dokken. Yeah, Dokken is what ties this
1: film together. Dokken is a heavy metal band from Florida from the 1980s, to like a hair metal band. And they were brought on to do the main theme for our Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3.
0: It's the titular song, Dream Warriors. Exactly. And
1: uh, one thing to note about that, it is the first music video ever released on a VHS tape.
0: Well, the music video had Freddy in it, correct? Yeah, um, and it was all shot on the set they used for the film in in Freddy's Hell World. Something that goes hand-in-hand with the 80s and hair metal in general... Is this like exploitation and nudity in slasher films? This was actually the first Nightmare on Elm Street film that had any nudity.
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, it was hinted at in, in the other two films, but here we have full-on, full frontal nudity in a really weird, bizarre scene where Joey, the mute character, is being tempted by a naked nurse who, of course, turns out to be Freddy Krueger and sex does not happen. Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to note in this one is that the scene had nudity because the original concept was that Freddy Krueger's face would be revealed on this woman's body and like that was the scary thing about like having this woman that the kid was sexually attracted to and then Freddy Krueger's horribly disfigured and burnt face, but they decided not to go with that.
1: Yeah, if you go on the internet, you can actually find photos of that effect and it's not creepy or scary it's just odd looking so instead she spits her tongue at joey which ties him to the bed and then sending him to freddy's little torture chamber in the dream world
0: okay so there's this dream hell world that now all of the kids are in and it kind of shows the special effects that we're working with in 3 with a little bit higher of a budget. Yeah, the special effects in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 are the best in the series, in my opinion.
1: Um, great use of puppets and animatronics. In particular, there is a, a snake-like creature that has Freddy's face on it. Um, and that face was all done with animatronics and is absolutely amazing. Um, it's like a... I don't know what, a 20 foot long snake that actually starts to devour Kristen, uh, Patricia Arquette's character. And that scene is amazing.
0: Yeah. And then you've also got the scene where like Freddy rips open his shirt and he's got like the souls of the children that are powering him. It's like all the faces that are moving around by his nipples and stuff. Yeah, very, very. I mean, really state of the art stuff for
1: 1987.
0: Yeah, it is pretty state of the art. And they even incorporate stop-motion animation. Yes, it's also another one of my favorite sequences in the film, uh, when Craig
1: Wasson and John Saxon go to a junkyard to retrieve Freddy's bones and give him a proper burial. And the bones come to life and attack them in sort of a Ray Harryhausen-esque scene that's really phenomenal.
0: I have a problem with a couple of things. Towards the end of the film, a lot of the cuts don't make sense. Like, when Freddy gets sucked out of the dream world when they're trying to give him a funeral, and then his skeleton starts fighting with John Saxon and Craig Wasson, there's a weird beat, they don't really explain it very well, and there's also a bunch of weird cuts where, like, none of the kids get to use their dream powers for more than, like, 30 seconds in the film. And I don't quite understand it. Can you help me clarify that, Graham?
1: Yeah, that's probably the reason why this isn't a perfect film. For me, it's a near-perfect film, but not perfect. Um, and I think what it comes down to is sort of budget and time. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films were working with a similar budget to Friday the 13th or Halloween. But where those films have just a killer sort of running around the woods, which is not that expensive to film, Freddie was going to worlds and all this other stuff. Going, to, It had a bigger imagination. So I think that time and budget sort of caught up to them. So that, yes, there are moments in the third act where there are cuts that really don't make a lot of sense. Is it, does it take you out of the movie? I don't think so. But if you're like Rob and I and watch these movies endlessly, you'll start to notice some, uh, some, some, some quirky stuff in the film.
0: The subtleties aren't very subtle. Exactly. Much like in number two. Nothing will ever be as bad as that. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's wrap up here, Graham. We've got a successful third film, and they immediately want to start making a number four, correct? Well, yeah. When you say successful, let's put that in perspective. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street
1: Part Three: The Dream Warriors, was in the top ten highest grossing films of 1987. No one saw this coming. The other two movies had made money, but not to this level. I mean, This movie made New Line Cinema a major Hollywood player.
0: Fans loved it. Critics hated it. Didn't matter. The people that paid the money were the fans. And now they're going to make number four and Freddy Krueger is a household name.
1: Yeah, and going into the fourth film, New Line Cinema has a predicament. They have a lot of money to produce a film, but not a lot of time. They always put these crazy schedules before them where they'd have to get the film done in like six months. So uh, number four, I think, had the shortest shooting schedule, but one of the biggest budgets.
0: A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 Dream Master is definitely the MTV version of a Nightmare on Elm Street film. And of course, we'll talk about it next week. But, Graham, can you tell me a little bit about the director? Um, well, that'll be a surprise,
1: but all I can say is, Hello, I am a big guy from Finland. I made a movie called Prison. May I direct the next Nightmare on Elm Street
0: movie? Oh, boy. That's going to be incredible. So... Everyone out there, please like and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. We've got a Patreon page for Pumpkin Spice Podcast. We've got an email. It's podcast at gmail.com. I want to thank Liberty Hall Video again for sponsoring this episode. Wait, they didn't sponsor this one. Well, there you go. You got a free ad, friends. Um, contact us if you have questions. Donate some money if you've got a couple of bucks. We've got some great rewards for you out there. Graham, is there anything you want to leave the people with? Um,
1: one, two, Freddy's coming for
0: you.